0: our first glimpse at the 2021 nascar schedule and i guess there's there's good news and there's bad news hello
1: welcome back to the auto week podcast the place where get all of your car related podcast needs we got drives we got news we have racing stuff on the other end uh, we have it all, but what we need from you, real fast, I've been saying this, and you guys have been listening, and I really appreciate it, but keep going over to the Apple Podcast place, keep giving us those five-star reviews, sincerely appreciate it. Without your contributions, this cannot happen. So, thank you so much for listening, but thank you also to our friends at Ford for bringing something back that people want. Mr. West Raynell, what's Ford doing?
2: Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Ford is reviving the Mach 1 name on the Mustang, which is important to old guys like me because the Mach 1 was a very cool car that came out, I think, in 69 originally.
1: Yep, Uh, 69 the first year. A
2: variation of the Mustang, a performance version. Uh, And the reason Ford was compelled to do the Mach 1 originally was because Dodge and Plymouth and Chevrolet were doing Z28s and Barracudas and challenger rts and the muscle car era uh in the late 60s mid to late 60s was just starting to really ramp up and get exciting really for people that love muscle cars and performance cars like me uh it was a great time to be a car fan so the mach 1 coming now uh Sort of replaces the bullet, which was also a nice little sort of legendary Mustang name. Uh, we're going to learn more next month from Ford about the Mach 1. Uh, we're pretty sure what we know so far, it's going to have, you know, the natural aspirated V8. I'm sure it'll have a sixteen six speed manual. It'll have some suspension tweaks. Uh, it's exciting. I, I, I love that they're bringing the name back, that Ford is bringing the name back. It's very cool.
1: It is very cool, and the most important thing that we do know coming to the Mach One is the new nose. The kind of this might sound cliche, the Mach One style uh, front fascia is coming to the Mustang Mach One. People are gonna love that. People are gonna really re- resonate with that. People are gonna love that.
2: Uh, I see a lot of GT 350s around and bullets around. It's you know, they, they've got a good thing going with this whole Mustang line, just as GM has a good thing going with the with the Camaro and and dodge with the challenger people love these cars i see a lot of challengers uh as well and z28s and and so this is sort of in that vein you know it's like the z28 and the challenger rt it's 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 a big it's a big deal for ford
1: well we can assume that this is like you said similar to the bullet so it'll be a slight step above the mustang gt in terms of performance so Probably Correct. in the yeah. 460 neighborhood, 480, maybe perhaps, maybe 500 horsepower. All are totally possible with that Coyote. It
2: really is. anything. Anything's possible. 500 would be a nice round number for them.
1: Yeah. And with the GT350 rumored to be going away, maybe we can expect a couple more limited edition, limited edition performance variants of this S550 Mustang before it shuffles off into the history books. What do you I think? Mean, of-
2: well, I th- my personal opinion is, I think it would be a mistake to get rid of the GT 350 because I really think that bang for the buck, that's the Mustang to get. is the GT oh, 350. Yeah. If, if, if you can if afford you, it, yeah. If you can, if you can stretch a little bit above the GT, that GT 350, thrifty, thrifty 350 is a sweet spot.
1: Uh, I, I think a little bit though, Mr. Reynolds. That's like twenty grand. That's that's a that's a lot a bump. of money.
2: It's a bump, but for what you get, I do I do think it's a lot of car for the money.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree. That GT three fifty is on the short list of cars that, if I could afford, I would have bought the press car. You know what I mean? I would have bought yeah, it that exactly. Day. Yeah,
2: that you know, and maybe that's maybe that's what the plan is though. Maybe Ford's plan is to is to kind of phase out that and the bullet and have the uh, Mach One fill those shoes, which that wouldn't be the worst thing.
1: No, absolutely not the worst thing, and that's probably what's going to happen. I mean, considering that the Mustang, the S five fifty Mustang, is maybe getting a little long in the tooth um and the next one is rumored to come out sometime between 2022 and 2040 uh small window on that one we might see some models starting to phase out
2: yeah you know but the two things that ford has going for it are are mustangs and trucks really everything else is kind of second fiddle to those two things that's what sells and I think, you know, as many Mustang variants as you can come up with, it's kind of like Porsche with the 911. You know, Porsche is yeah. a master at coming up with various variations of its cars. And Ford, I think, would be wise to kind of take a lesson from, from Porsche and just do as many different sort of special editions as it, as it can.
1: Yeah. And Ford, if you're listening... Uh, you'll owe Mr. West Randall ten percent of that consulting. Well, yeah, vehicle. exactly. Well, <laughs> that's why the... I don't
2: run a car company because I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just observing.
1: No, no, and... no. For the the Mustang pickup, that's a genius. If if since Ford's mostly only selling Mustangs and pickups, why not Reese's Cup it and Bingo Bango? That's a that's a million dollar idea.
2: I would think that would cause a fistfight in the meeting room. But I tell you what, I don't <laughs> think I, I don't think that uh, a Bronco pickup is a stretch of the imagination. Oh no,
1: yeah, I think that's a. I mean, that's a wise move.
2: Yeah. So it's interesting times. I I mean, I like this Mustang. I am hoping that or the Mach one. I like the idea of it. Uh, I hope, uh, Dodge and Chevy see what's happening here and, you know, up there ante as well. I think that this would, this could get fun again, especially with gas at a buck 95 a gallon.
1: Yeah. What else is going on in the world today? Mr. Randall, are we seeing, uh, anything from overseas perhaps we have one,
2: uh, noteworthy item from overseas, uh, Land Rover launched the Defender a few months ago, and it's arriving at, on U.S. shores now. It's the first time that we've had a Defender here uh, in years, decades, really. I think it was like 97 was the last time, something like that. Yeah, so like that. And that's sort of, you know, the Defender is sort of the Wrangler of land, land Rover's Wrangler, so to speak, even though all Land Rovers ostensibly are good off-road. This is supposed to be, you know, the Defender has always been the yeah Uh, off-road vehicle it's how the company got its start uh it was a a truck a two box built for farmers literally to take into their fields so it's got the off-road heritage and uh it 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 hasn't been uh, for sale here for since the 90s and now it's back on u.s shores starting now uh starting at around 50 grand 51 grand uh that does
1: not sound bad
2: there's gonna be uh three lengths and uh, I'm sure a gazillion um, powertrain choices. Yeah. yeah. Trims, transmissions, all that stuff. And, and you know, you'll be able to drive it across a river and up your muddy driveway and pretty much do whatever you want to do with it off road. I think it's going to be a real stud off road. If that's what you're into.
1: Do we know if Land Rover or Jaguar Land Rover will be stuffing the supercharged five liter into this bad boy? Like uh,
2: I wouldn't think that that is a natural mating, but who knows? <laughs> uh, I think it works better in, in cars like the Range Rover Sport, but who knows? I mean, you know, why not to perform? Maybe.
1: I mean, I subscribe to Chrysler's Hellcat everything, and uh, I'm all for Jaguar Land Rover stuffing that beautiful 5-liter into any and everything that they have.
2: Yeah, it's a good motor. It's, it's a fun motor. It's, it's good in that little Jag two-seater for sure. And, oh, uh, yeah.
1: The F-Type, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and I think that it's in the Range Rover Sport, if I'm not mistaken. And it is a nice engine.
1: You're not mistaken at all. It is a, a fantastic-sounding engine. And, man, does it scoot. But thinking of scooting, talking about scooting, getting on to scooting, I think that about wraps up uh, the news for this week, the car news anyway. A lot of news. Other. Great. Well, I
2: hope all our listeners are safe and, and doing the best they
1: can yeah i can't agree more but what i can also say is stay tuned for racing and we are back back with the motorsports uh one of our favorite segments and one of yours too you're here with uh still me wesley uh they keep telling me to leave the studio and i keep staying uh mr mike pryson's with us hello and a uh, very angry Matt Weaver. Matt, how are we doing today?
0: Well, you know what they keep—they <laughs> keep telling me to go away too, and I'm still right here. I'm still spouting the same old shtick, fighting the same old battles, facing the same old problems. So, so let's get after it.
1: So Therefore, right, Matt. But let, 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 let's be very clear: I have not told Matt to leave at all. I encourage him to join. But so, Matt, what what are you so angry about, buddy?
0: <laughs> so, um, this week. We got our our first glimpse at the 2021 NASCAR schedule, and I guess there's there's good news and there's bad news. Um, the The good news is, as fans have been saying, they want changes to the schedule. They they feel like a schedule that has largely been comprised of the same tracks since 2011 and has only added Kentucky Speedway and the Charlotte Roval since 2001 needed a shakeup. Well, congratulations, fans. You're getting a shakeup. However, problem is the same fans who, after watching Bristol Motor Speedway last weekend and said, this is awesome, we need more short tracks, we need more tracks like Bristol Motor Speedway, we need less intermediate mile and a half tracks, they give us the 1.33 mile Nashville Super Speedway 40 minutes outside of Nashville. And I'm mad about it because it's it's the same old NASCAR giving us the same old product. Now, listen, I recognize there is some pathway that could lead to the fairground short track that a lot of fans want. But this is why I think it's kind of disingenuous to even propose that or to even insinuate that's a thing. NASCAR has given Nashville Super Speedway, which is a Dover-owned track. Dover's taking one of their races and transferring it over to, to Nashville for four years. So you're telling me that they're going to give Nashville four years, and they're going to put six to, to $9 million of renovations into the track just to give that date up to the short track when SMI is ready to do it? No, that's not no. happening. So, So the best-case scenario is, okay, well, then – Maybe both tracks can coexist. Maybe we can have the Super Speedway in June and maybe do the short track in the fall in the playoffs five, six years from now. I don't think that really sounds realistic either. So for the second time in my life, as someone who's been attending races at Fairground Speedway Nashville, Dover Motorsports is personally me breaking my heart by snatching momentum away from from the fairgrounds. Now again, I want to emphasize that I've done some reporting that this decision was kind of encouraged by Speedway Motorsports because they're trying to encourage Tennessee Governor Bill Lee to impose a a ticket tax on the NASCAR Cup races at the Super Speedway that would go to a partial funding of the short track. But even then, I just don't see where both of those tracks can coexist. I do not see a pathway. Furthermore, if you go out there and, and you fill the super speedway up, who who then in NASCAR would say, Well, let's take away from this track that's very successful and let's move it all over to the short track? Well, that's not gonna happen. Conversely, if it doesn't work out and people don't support the super speedway, well then people will say, Ah, well, the, the Nashville metropolitan area, they don't support NASCAR. We're not gonna support the fairgrounds. It's a lose lose scenario. And we've had two years of momentum and momentum building. The fairground speedway, and I just do not see a pathway with the super speedway that leads towards that. And beyond all of that, the last thing that NASCAR needs is another D shaped mile and a half. It's 1.33, so spare me. It, it's we're, we're talking about two tenths of a mile. Another D shaped oval, but concrete. And concrete's worse because concrete is just so much more grip. Right now, NASCAR's mile and a half rules package is super downforce super grip um no tire fall off it'll be the worst racing in the world and i thought it spoke volumes that chase elliott uh quote retweeted my critical comment and said yeah this is terrible one one snooze fest his words one snooze fest at nashville super speedway and it's going to kill it's going to be the final nail in the coffin chase said of their fairgrounds um Corey LaJoy Lejoy said that you know there's not going to be enough of the, the sticky stuff, the glue, in, in the world to make that track raceable. Um, Landon Castle says, you know, get out the VHT, the track bike, because that's the only way you're going to be able to pass there. This is not going to be a good racetrack. Once again, it's NASCAR choosing markets over racetracks. And it's more of the same, but concrete. And yeah, as a short track guy, as a good racing guy, I'm ticked off.
3: How big is the facility, though? I mean, how many fans are they expecting out there for that thing? Is it a big venue? No, no. They're expecting about 25,000. That's a very modest uh, facility as far as uh, the size of current NASCAR tracks. I mean, small.
0: It's it's the new normal. So here's the deal. NASCAR moved their championship banquet to Nashville last December. It was was big. It was a big deal. It it worked. A lot of fans showed up for it. And again, that generated a lot of momentum for the fairgrounds. Okay, good. We need to to encourage everyone in local government to get behind the the fairgrounds. And here we are, you know, two days after um, a great race at Bristol where a lot of people are are sharing the hashtag, hashtag more short tracks. You know, the, the NASCAR industry, I'm not blaming NASCAR, but the NASCAR industry as a whole is like, here, have another intermediate.
1: So Matt, wh- why is why is this? Is it just like a trying to break into the national market, or is, do they just really love hot chicken?
0: <laughs> it's totally about the market. Now, now listen. In a vacuum, by itself, those do- Dover losing a race and going to a new track isn't bad. And I wrote a column on AutoWeek.com. Cheap plug. That said, look, by itself, Dover didn't need two races. And this was a smart move by Dover because they re- they saw the writing on the wall that they were probably going to have one of those two dates taken from them by NASCAR unless they did something different. And, you know, Dover Motorsports, in coordination with NASCAR and Speedway Motorsports, they, they put together... This deal, let's go to Nashville. We had the the banquet at Nashville. A lot of people are supporting Nashville. If you look at the television ratings each week, um, Nashville is a very strong TV market for, for NASCAR. So again, completely in a vacuum. Being in Nashville, going to a new track, it's fine. But to me, it's so indicative of the modern tone deafness of NASCAR. This comes two days after Bristol. We have so few races like Bristol and Martinsville, half miles, where the racing is good no matter what kind of rules package you throw at it. That it's, it's like fans were saying, give us more short tracks. And NASCAR's like, how about an intermediate? Fans are like, we want Fairground Speedway Nashville. And NASCAR's like, how about Nashville Super Speedway? Like You you can't make this up. You say it out loud. It sounds like absurd.
3: Well, man, I'm glad we got to hear how you really feel about that. Let me say, let
0: me... Let me say one more thing, because I know this is going to be shared, and people are going to be critical, and people are being critical now.
1: I hope it's shared.
0: This isn't Matt Weaver's negativity. This isn't more Matt Weaver BS. Listen, I am a huge NASCAR guy, stock car guy. I have invested so much time and money into NASCAR, but I am so connected to the fans, because I'm a fan myself, and not just their fans, racing fans, people that that NASCAR has arguably abandoned. When I go to short track races across America, those people used to be NASCAR fans. When I go to Chili Bowl, I go to the World of Outlaws, and I see people wearing a shirt that has the NASCAR logo, but the words have been replaced with boring. Those people used to be NASCAR fans. And those people continually say, what they're not getting from NASCAR and what they are getting from NASCAR that they don't want any more of, which is mile and a half D-shape intermediates. And I just think it's such a slap in the face to to fans to just give them more of the same. Now, granted, there could be more coming down the road, things that we don't know yet. I've talked to people at Gateway. Gateway, they don't think they're getting a race. And that was a place that deserves a race. And a lot of momentum was going to that place for a race. The fact that NASCAR took all of their dates away from Iowa Speedway, the track that they own, they are not getting a date. Otherwise, you're not taking dates away from it now during the pandemic. So instead, we've been told that next year's schedule isn't going to look that much different. And the one change that we have right now isn't the short track fans want. It's not the road courses that fans want. It's another mile and a half D-shaped, concrete abomination that fans are very adamant that they don't want. But they're going there because the Nashville market, which is true, is very important to them.
3: Matt, I got a question for you. One thing we've got, uh, we just got through this incredible... You know, two and a half week stretch or whatever of NASCAR every night on TV, uh, between the different series back and forth and all this. It seemed like every night anyway. Um, we've got some double headers coming up into the schedule, which you you, you can talk about in a minute here. Uh, I'm curious on these double headers. Um, is that, are they going to work? We're back to back nights and back to back races, say at Michigan. Uh, you know, I, I've been in Michigan since '91. Never missed a race up there. Well, I'm not sure back-to-back races are going to work at a place like that, uh, the show and all that. Uh, what, what's your take? What's the, what's the thought on at NASCAR? Uh, are we going to see more doubleheaders, or is this just a product of this year and the and the pandemic?
0: So, so keep in mind that there was already a pre-scheduled at doubleheader at Pocono. Right. So that was the one place where they felt like maybe they could experiment a little bit. I'm telling you, I'm with you. I think that if you were to have double headers, the two worst tracks to overexpose to fans, it would be Michigan and Pocono. That's part of the reason they're doing it, too. So let's just get it out of the way. You're contractually obligated to two races at Pocono, two races at Michigan. In the case of Pocono, let's get it out of the way at once. Let's make it a big super weekend. Plan originally was to have Arca Xfinity the Truck Series and make a full week of of racing out of it and try to pack as many people in as possible. That's not happening now. Obviously, um, Pocono is going to take place without fans. It's going to be purely a TV show. There will be an invert that you know that's made the racing pretty good at tracks like Charlotte. That that shouldn't be a good show. Michigan, you know that place can be wide sometimes. It hasn't been in a while, certainly with this package. But maybe if you stack a bunch of good cars and you put them in the middle of the field, it'll be good. But I don't think it's a long-term answer. Keep in mind, the only reason that Pocono was going to be a doubleheader is the original plan was to take two weeks off for the Olympics. So there would be no NASCAR coverage to try to fit around the Olympics in August. There are no Olympics now. They're probably going to race throughout August to make up for all the lost time. Um, right now, the schedule that I published on Auto Week. Um, that's 35 races. We're, we're missing one right now. I think what we're probably, this is speculation. No, no evidence to back this one up. I think we're going to see another doubleheader at Dover. That'll get us to, to 26 regular season races, 36 overall races. So to, to answer your question, very long-winded, this is not the wave of the future. Not for those tracks anyway. It's just a matter of we got to get to 36. The NASCAR economy depends on getting to 36. And, you know, they're going to see there's going to be some data they can glean from this and try to figure out what may work or may not. But I don't think doubleheaders at Pocono and, and Michigan are the wave of the future.
3: Well, and, they, and they're and they going to need some help, Matt, from the weatherman, too. You get a rain out of a doubleheader in this ambitious schedule they've got going right now trying to get this many races into this compact of a schedule. You know, it's it's gonna mess things up and you're gonna you're gonna lose some races I mean we we saw that during the the first couple of weeks going back and forth between Charlotte and Darlington there we had we had some rain issues um now that's a big problem if you got two cup races for the weekend and you're already booked to the next weekend somewhere else so uh we'll see how that shakes out i I'm curious as heck uh Matt talk about the schedule though we published uh any other any other surprises on that or was that pretty much what you expected
0: um it's pretty much what I expected I mean I don't necessarily agree that we need the all-star race as it currently is constructed. Uh, Them moving it to a uh, a Wednesday night, it's whatever, you know, it's close to home. Uh, I think they're doing it between Kansas and Texas. So you can come home and do it on a Wednesday and and meet the minimum television requirement. There's a certain rumor kind of going around right now that NASCAR is going to race somewhere else the weekend before, Memorial day. So that would be typically the all-star race slot, but it was, so it was a surprise to see it on a Wednesday, but not much because Marcus Smith kind of told us he had planned to have the race this year at Charlotte. Um, having a, a Thursday night Kansas race is a little weird, but the reason they're doing that is right now because of COVID it's, it takes a lot longer to move TV equipment because you have such a reduced number of, of personnel, fox and nbc we we saw that this past weekend at bristol when the cup race got rained out from wednesday to thursday that also forced the xfinity race at bristol to be pushed back from saturday to monday you're going to see some weird kind of scheduling quirks tucky on a sunday instead of a saturday night Um, but but a lot of that is just a matter of uh logistics
3: matt we've got IndyCar starting this weekend Finally. I'm excited.
0: You know, so much angry Matt Weaver. How about how about a super <laughs> pumped and excited Matt Weaver because right now the IndyCar product is so good and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I am legitimately that excited for IndyCar, especially at in Texas. I think it's it's so funny to me because I'm so frustrated about the mile and a half intermediates for NASCAR and the irony is those are some of the best races historically. IndyCar, but IndyCar can't afford to go there. So NASCAR built all these mile and a halves because the thought was well we can have NASCAR and IndyCar. It's not going to be the best show for NASCAR, but we can pack the schedule with IndyCar races. The only one that's left is Texas. And Texas is such a good time. I think if there was any place to kind of have to have a race to come back, it would be Texas. I think their competition formula right now, um, relatively speaking, less downforce for an IndyCar. Big motor, 900 horsepower um, at a a mile and a half. It's going to be hot, slick, humid. They're going to be sliding around the racetrack. We saw it last year with uh, Colton Herta and Felix Rosenquist. They're going to be really aggressive, bold moves. Guys are going to slide up into each other. There could be contact. And most importantly, because of the current situation we find ourselves in, it's going to be on primetime on big, over-the-air NBC. What a huge opportunity this is for IndyCar at one of their best tracks and an oval to show up to a national audience.
3: And two things we're really looking forward to seeing, Matt, from the IndyCar this weekend, the Arrow screen. I mean, these are not going to look like the, the IndyCar of last year at all. I think people are going to be uh, really surprised to see these guys rolling out. Uh, this arrow screen is, is almost a full cockpit now, and it, it looks kind of weird, uh, but it's getting good reviews from the drivers. Uh, they've done a lot of testing with it. They say it works in traffic. Um, you know, hopefully it, uh, it, it, that's not going to be a factor come race day, but it's going to be a different look. And we heard just yesterday that uh, a lot – Due to the COVID, due to the the, the shutdown and things like that, uh, uh, Firestone is going to bring the 2019 tire package. And with some reservations, uh, they're basically telling these teams that uh, 35 laps, you better change your tires. So there's going to be a 35 lap mandated tire change, uh, which which is going to add a few more uh, pit stops, uh, a few more tire changes out there during the race. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a great show. I mean, no fans, but it's going to be a great show. And, and I think we're ready for something different after watching NASCAR, like I said, about every night for the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm really looking forward to that. And, uh, uh, there'll be some extra popcorn going on that night.
0: One last note on the IndyCar. Listen, a lot of fans who have not seen it. If you're listening to the podcast, you haven't seen the new IndyCar. It's going to be jarring. It's going to look weird. You're probably going to think, oh, well, it's an open wheel, um, mp1 and there's some
2: there's
0: some there's some validity to that but i think that it's going to create a little bit of extra drag create kind of a slipstream because the air is going to go higher up over the car i think you're going to see more passing um than you typically do i think uh indianapolis in in august is going to be wild so it's going to be it's going to be visually jarring but everyone that i've talked to believes that this is going to make the racing especially on ovals extremely dynamic so I, i i am again i my excitement here, IndyCar at in Texas, is through the roof.
3: Well, Texas is a Texas is a, has been a dynamic race for several years now, uh, with the extreme speeds and the passing that we already have. So, if they're able to add anything to that, this is going to be awesome.
1: Well, Matt, funny you mentioned drag because there's a little bit of drag racing news from the NHRA. Uh, seems like they're kicking their schedule off a little bit.
3: Well, they're trying, uh, Wesley. Uh, The NHRA, I think this is their third revised schedule, Uh, but I think this is the one they're going to stick with for now. Uh, uh, We just received it this afternoon. Today's Wednesday as we're uh, taping the podcast. Uh, They just released it here about an hour ago. Uh, They're going to run – Three races at Indianapolis this year, which is uh, insane, but it, it makes a lot of sense because that's the home base for a lot of these teams. It's it's their Charlotte, basically. A lot of these teams are based in Brownsburg right down the road. Um, so they're going to start the season off that uh, uh, July 11-13 weekend and then stay right there for the next race, uh, the next weekend, do another one there. And then they're going to return there in September uh, over Labor Day like they always do for the uh, U.S. Nationals. Uh, as part of this uh, schedule, that's, uh they're they're anticipating 17 more race weekends to, to go with the two they already have. So that'll give them a 19-race uh, season, which is, you know, uh, normally they do 26. So it's going to be a little bit shorter, but they're not going to have the countdown this year. They're, so every race counts, every race matters, uh, which I think is going to be good. And I think that's going to – I wouldn't be surprised if that carries into 2021. I think we may have seen the end of the countdown – uh, we we want to get these cars out there every week. We don't want to give them an excuse not to show up uh, in the past of the countdown. If you if you think you're in, yeah, there's no reason to show up for some of these races. Uh, so we'll see everybody out there. But anyway, we're real excited for the NHRA kicking back in. Um, their schedule is um, with a lot of, of, a lot of uh, asterisks and uh, italics and stuff at the bottom. It said basically uh, they're going to start out with limited crowds, Uh, at Indianapolis, uh, not a no crowd race, but a limited crowd. Uh, we're hearing it could be as small as like a thousand people are going to be let in, which is nothing. I mean, that place holds, I think, I don't even know how, I'm not even going to guess Wesley, you've been out there before, but it's a, yeah, those NHRA venues are all 25, 30,000 places normally. Um, but anyway, they're going to let they're going to, they're going to have a real small crowd there. Um, and I think that's, what's going to look at their schedule is going to go forward. They can't go without crowds. Uh, they don't have the TV deal with the NASCARs and things like that. Uh, these promoters need somebody in the stands. what um, that magic number is we're going to find out. And I think uh, the NHRA schedule that was posted today on AutoWeek.com um, goes through the entire schedule. And I think some of those venues later in the season are on that schedule predicated by well, hopefully we're able to have full crowds by then. Uh, so we'll see how that all shakes out. But again, uh, Matt, just as just as excited you are about the IndyCar this weekend, I'm excited about NHRA. I'm just excited that we're getting real close to like normal again, where you know you can sit down on a weekend and and flip some channels and see some racing. I thought it was interesting this week. Uh, Formula One—they've also they're also getting fired up. They're they're about a month out now. They're going to be starting July July fifth in Austria. And Chase Carey—he's uh, the, the CEO of uh, or I guess chief executive uh, for uh, Formula One—you know for Liberty Media there—he uh, was quoted uh, this week on the Formula One website, and we also got the story on AutoWeek.com that. They basically are pressing forward. They said, "Hey, if a driver tests positive, we're not stopping. You have reserve drivers. If a team can't make it because half the team is out with COVID, they're pressing forward." I thought it was kind of a boy. It was a bold statement that I don't know how that would fly over here. Um, but anyway, in Europe, they're pretty focused on getting this series going, getting this thing going, and it will be very interesting to see if any of the drivers, for instance, uh, were to test positive, or or some key crew members, because. They're going forward, and uh, it's going to be—you uh, know—it's been a long time. We—they haven't even started their season yet, so I know a lot of people are chomping at the bit, and then whatever it takes, they're—they're they're saying. But on the flip side, wow, it would, it would be something if a driver tests positive, but they still continue to race without him.
0: So, so listen, like on one hand, it's very bold of of Chase Carey to say it, but I, I think that you can afford to be a little bolder in Europe, just because, um, I don't know the, the most PR way to say this, but they are not as Politically sensitive to certain verbiage, as we are here in the states. I mean, if you if you read newspaper reports out of Europe, the language is so much sharper than it is here. So I I think you can afford to say things a little bit more bluntly in in Europe. But the fact remains: if you listen to what Chase Carey said, and you compare it to the actual policy of NASCAR, World of Outlaws, IndyCar, and I presume NHRA too. It's not that dissimilar. Uh, With NASCAR, you have two different traveling road crews. So even though you're racing two times a week, your Sunday crew is not the same as the Wednesday crew. And if someone gets sick from your Sunday crew, you replace them with the Wednesday crew. When they were racing in Charlotte and when they were racing in Darlington, everyone had a reserve driver. And that driver was approved and he would come on in. Same thing with IndyCar. Um, They're going to be approved reserve drivers teams are going to have secondary crew members they can send in so even though the verbiage is so much stronger from chase carry and f1 when you compare the actual policy it's actually quite similar well, Speaking let's just ho-
3: let's just hope and pray we never have to go down this road and figure out, hey, what are they going to do if a driver starts testing positive in NASCAR or IndyCar? Uh, I just, I you know, hopefully we're kind of you know it's behind us, and big that with all the precautions that are in place right now, hopefully we can get these seasons in now. It's it's uh, we've waited long enough.
1: I'll tell you what's not behind us, those five-star reviews. If you can please head to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star review, leave a little comment letting us know how we're doing. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to racing, looking forward to the normalization of the world. But until then, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.